2: Earlier in this chapter, the Lord had demonstrated his love by washing the disciples' feet, and now he points to an even greater demonstration of his love, to the cross. And it is this expression of love that describes the reason for and the magnitude of Jesus' subsequent command.
1: And that command is found in the book of John, the 13th chapter, the 34th verse, and we'll hear more about that in just a moment as we share another edition of Study Verse by Verse with our teacher, Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. This is an outreach of the church and you can find out more about us on the website, highlands.us. That's highlands.us.
2: Now, throughout history, People have identified themselves as Christians through various marks. There was the ichthus, the fish, that initially was used. And later on, it was the cross. Sometimes people today carry a cross. They might wear it on some jewelry, a necklace, or something like that. They might put it on a bumper sticker on their car. By the way, if you drive around with a car with a bumper sticker with a fish or something on it, would you please drive nicely? Uh, (laughs) But, uh, you know, all of those are really only superficial outward symbols what really marks a true believer is that they have received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit has come to live within them. And their lives have been transformed by the grace of God through Christ. And when that happens, there is fruit that is manifest. And that fruit is described for us in Galatians 5, Ephesians 5, 3, uh, Colossians 3, and so forth. But at its most fundamental level, it can be summed up in one word. And that word is love. And because we've experienced God's love towards us and we've been filled with the Holy Spirit, we can be empowered by God's Holy Spirit to keep the commandments. Remember what the greatest commandments were? To love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And so we as Christians love the Lord and we also love others. But how do we love the Lord? Well, Jesus said, "'If you love me, you will keep my commandments.'" You are my friends if you do what I command you. If you continue in my word then you are truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so the way we express love towards God is in obedience to the the Lord. John wrote, By this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. The one who says I have come to know Him and does not keep His commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps His word in him the love of God has truly been perfected. And so here, Jesus is declaring his farewell commandment to the disciples. His time is short. He's about to proceed on a journey in which none can accompany him. It's a road he must walk alone. And beginning in verse 31 of chapter 13, Jesus gives his farewell address to the remaining 11 disciples, the 11 apostles. And this includes instruction, promises, warnings, and commandments. But at the opening of these instructions... Jesus identifies the premier identification of those who are truly his disciples. The passage emphasizes the ultimate love of Christ that was expressed through his work, his person and work, especially that of Calvary. Verse 31, And when he, that is Judas, had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. Love's greatest expression is self-sacrifice. Jesus said, greater love hath no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. The Apostle John wrote, we know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. Jesus pointed to the crucifixion to teach his disciples about love. And in this passage Jesus reviewed his death or viewed his death in terms of what would result from it, his glorification not from the humiliation that he would experience as he went through it. His entire ministry and the purpose for which he came into the world was to was to go to the cross, and going to the cross was the pinnacle of the life lived perfectly in keeping with the Father's will. With the cross only hours away, Jesus' thoughts turned to the glory that awaited him in his Father's presence. He made three statements concerning that glory. His first statement, now is the Son of Man glorified, refers to his death on the cross the next day. It was through the cross where he gave his life for sinners and where his glory was most manifest. He was, Jesus was glorified through the cross in several ways. First, his death purchased salvation by satisfying God's demands for justice. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature. It was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. The charges against us by our sin were nailed to the cross with Jesus Christ who carried them. Colossians chapter 2. It also glorified Christ by destroying the power of sin. Romans 8, verses 3 and 4. God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving His Son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us, who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the the Spirit. Romans 8, verse 3. And then finally His death destroyed the power of Satan. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Now the second statement Jesus made was, and God is glorified in him. Through the cross, God's nature was put on display. First, it displayed God's power by raising him from the dead. Secondly, it declared that God is just, For the wages of sin is death and somebody has to die. And through his prophet Isaiah, God said, All of us like sheep have strayed away. We've left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord hath laid on him the sins of us all. God's justice was was met. And then third, it revealed God's holiness. Now the Father loves the Son. But as Christ carried our sin to Calvary's cross, the Father's eyes turned away. And Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Habakkuk one thirteen says, God's eyes are too pure to approve evil and it cannot look on wickedness with favor. It displayed God's holiness. And fourth, it displayed God's faithfulness. You see, even from... The time of Adam and Eve's decision to sin in the garden, God promised a redeemer. And in the fullness of time, he provided that redeemer, that savior, through Jesus Christ. And keeping that promise cost him his own son. But God always keeps his promises. And then finally, Christ's death was the most explicit and definitive expression of God's love in all of history. The Apostle Paul wrote, God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, while we're still God's enemies, Christ died for us. The Apostle John said, In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And then the last statement that Christ made regarding his glorification, if God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, looks beyond the cross ...to his exaltation at the Father's right hand. He could say it once or immediately because his resurrection and ascension would follow shortly after the cross. And this was the joy that was set before him for which he endured the cross, despising the shame... ...and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now Jesus' glorification also meant that he had to leave the disciples... ...and the disciples found that difficult to understand it except for a number of reasons... Jesus told them and addressed them with an affectionate term, little children. And then told his disciples, I am with you only a little while longer. And then as he had said to the Jews that were unbelieving, he also said to them, where I am going you cannot come. But unlike the unbelieving Jews, the disciples one day would see Jesus again. Earlier in this chapter, the Lord had demonstrated his love by washing the disciples' feet. And now he points to an even greater demonstration of his love, the cross. And it is this expression of love that describes the reason for and the magnitude of Jesus' subsequent command. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love. For one another Now love itself is not a new commandment. It's actually an old one. It's found back in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, which reads, "You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself." So the command to love your neighbor was not new. What made it new was that Jesus himself set the standard, and he said, "I want you to follow my example." He wasn't asking them to do anything that he himself was unwilling to do. Now, of course, to love like that is impossible apart from salvation and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. But it's because it's only those who've experienced the love of God and are filled with the Holy Spirit who can express such love. Now, when we use the word love, different people have different definitions. Now, this. Last couple of weeks, I was somewhere and heard a song playing over the overhead and took me back to the 70s when I used to listen to radio. It was B.J. Thomas uh, singing a song called Hooked on a Feeling. I won't sing it for you, but it goes something like this. I am hooked on a feeling. I'm high on believing that you are in love with me. And uh, the world largely thinks of love as being a feeling, but it's not just a feeling—not the biblical definition, at least. And for that, I want to invite you to turn to First Corinthians chapter thirteen, because in chapter thirteen, verse four, God gives us a definition, a description of what he talks, what he means when he says love.
1: And what a great lead into our Tuesday broadcast. This is another edition of Study Verse by Verse. Our teacher is Pastor Leighton Sheely. We're in a series in the book of John, and uh, we'll come back tomorrow at the same time with more. I hope you can join us. If you'd like to find out more about Church of the Highlands, we would love to see you if you're looking for a church home on a Sunday. All the details about service times and other ministries are right there on the website at Highlands. U.S. There is a special event coming up this Saturday that you might want to check out at uh, 10 a.m. Uh, a partnership outreach with the Institute for Creation Research will happen at the church. A representative from that ministry will be at Church of the Highlands, making a presentation and answering your questions from 10 in the morning until 2 in the afternoon. Again, the details are on the website for this event this coming Saturday at highlands.us. I'm Mike Trout. Join us tomorrow at this same time when we'll return and open the Word of God to study verse by verse. This program is paid for by Church of the Highlands in San Bruno.